You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Morning, welcome to the show. Thursday, January the 25th. Again, I'm up before dawn breaks here in Florida. Uh, Eclipse Awards tonight, so I'll get a little bit of sleep at some point during the course of the day. Uh, the sport is far from sleeping in most parts of the world, to be honest with you. We've got some wonderful racing here at Gulfstream Park at the weekend. There's really good stuff in Dubai, um, more of which a little bit later on from Laura King. But in truth, if you are in Britain, as most of you are, or in Ireland, as a good proportion of you are, your eyes will be firmly fixed on what's going to happen at Cheltenham, Doncaster and elsewhere over the weekend a, a real flurry of interest and activity in declarations and jockey bookings over the last hour or so lee motterhead is the senior writer from the racing post and he joins me now uh, lee what are the key headlines key headlines nick are that you are going to have a fantastic breakfast on saturday morning watching the action at cheltenham and doncaster from afar nico de boinville though will also be spectating not participating he was taken off his rides at chepstow after his first mount there yesterday recurrence of his collarbone injury he will not be riding on saturday if we just whiz through some of the races at Cheltenham and donny nick the first one that nicker will miss is sagino who takes on the triumphal favorite bird at road in a fantastic clash to kick off the Cheltenham card at 12.05. Uh, six runners in the Cotswold chase. They've all been declared. So we've got Ahoy Senor Europa guy. That's all right, Gino. Stay away from the Ruwaka and Capadano. We then go into the Clarence House chase. All in that apart from Fernambule Sibola. So James Bowen, who will be Nico's deputy at Cheltenham on Saturday, partners John Bon in that one. We've got five in the international hurdle run this season, first time in late Jan, and as the Unibet hurdle, uh, Willie Mullins has declared the triumph winner and the mayor's hurdle favourite, Lossie Mouth, who will take on Rubo Fleet Street, Guard Dreams and Love Envoie. Seven in the Cleve hurdle, Paisley Park, We'll try to win that one again. Nicky Henderson has declared champ, but not Marie's Rock. The tremendously exciting Gidley Park goes in the 410 at Cheltenham, the classic novices hurdle. Over at Doncaster, 130. Jericho de Repinay goes for Nicky Henderson in the Rossington main, trying to defend his supreme novices hurdle claims. And Nicky will run under control in the Mayor's Hurdle at Donny, not in the Unibet Hurdle at Cheltenham. Willie Mullins has declared two in that. Gala Marceau, the mount of Danny Mullins, and Ashro Diamond, the mount of Patrick Mullins. We've got 10 in the River Don. We've got a competitive Great Yorkshire chase. It is going to be fan dabby dozy. That is not a word I used in the upcoming interview with Nicky Henderson, who does seem to be pivotal to quite a lot of those stories. John Bond, Jericho de Repinay, Champ. Um, Sir Gino and many, many more. Uh, he would, will be without the services of his stable jockey, Nico de Boinville, and that is where we began this conversation. I spoke to him yesterday afternoon, and I mean, you know, poor boy. I mean, I feel desperately sorry for him. I really do. Because I mean, the whole point of coming back on Saturday and Sunday was to get ready. Um, 
for the weekend ahead and everything was you know looked to be going well um but i think you know he's incredibly fit and he worked so hard through those three weeks that's what i desperately feel for him i mean he i don't think he moved for the first week to let it you know he got himself back to the point where you know i know to pass the to pass the or jerry hill who's you know they're all very much in favor of and they like um you know to get past him is in that length of time was going to be tough but he really did prove he could um he was lifting things that nobody could believe um he was he passed through that easy because a horse is a different ball game i fear and it just does throw it around and it needs a bit more time um how reassuring is it for you? I know, I know your sympathies are with him. How reassuring is it for you that you've got somebody who is riding as well as James Bowen at the moment when you've got horses of the, the profile of John Bond and others with several different owners? Well, it's certainly yesterday afternoon was a entertaining three or four hours. I've got to tell you, I think we have sort of something like 37 horses on parade over this period. And um, so the first thing, obviously, was to move James to start with on tomorrow on Saturday um, from Doncaster to uh, Cheltenham um, and then but even there we've got two in certain races so it's a, you know, again then filling in those gaps and then moving a whole lot to Doncaster and the horses Don- are going to Doncaster anyway um, I think we've solved what can only be called what was at the time a giant jigsaw um, but with all the help of all the team in the office and in the yard, we have come to a solution. I hope everybody's happy because it's, it hasn't been easy, but we're there. Okay, so the, the key the key headlines are, are John Bond, obviously very short price in the Clarence House with James uh, Bowen riding him. Uh, is there anything much more to say than he's where you want him for a race of this calibre? Well, that I mean, I hope it, I hope we've got it right in that he was seriously prepped from last weekend, and John Bond being John Bond, he isn't just a sort of he isn't a constitution ill of a mentality. Um, he is his own, as I think you can all remember him in his early days when he used to appear in the paddock dripping with sweat, and everybody said "Crikey," you know. But now we've got through all that. Um, we get it early in the season, but we don't know. And he's pretty amenable, but you have to be very careful. That that spring was absolutely, there wasn't another twist in it for last weekend. So we have to hold him somewhere in that line for a week. It might sound easy. It is, with some horses, it would be very easy. With some, it's it's a thin line as to what you do and what you don't do. Mm. Certainly didn't then he need more schooling, certainly didn't need any more galloping. Um, he, as I say, he was. We were really ready for last weekend, and I was. I was really looking forward to the Fabiolo clash. It was going to. Be, I, I know most people think I try and dodge them. I don't. I was really looking forward to it. Okay. Um, so now we have a different problem on our hands. But there we go. We've got to face it.
I, I, it, it did strike me, and, I, and we actually spoke about this last year about the same time and the previous year at the same time, Warwick and Haydock, where he's won, but won a bit ugly at this time of year because you were kind of driving towards something further down the track, I guess. Um, it, it could, do you see what, I, what I'm driving at? Would this be his most vulnerable time of the year? I hope not, because yeah, last Saturday was it was was hardly a prep for anything. It was a full blown mm. grade one clash, and we had to be at the top of it. Yeah. The easiest way to get to the top is to take them to the top and then let the race bring them off the boil, and then we can, in our own time, start again for March. But um, it, it forced us into a week longer. I say it might sound simpler than what it is with a, with a character like him, um, who is his own self. But, yeah, he, he's been well. Paddy, he rides him every day. He's very happy. He's out in the paddock rolling away like a night on earth yesterday morning, like he always does every day. Um, he's giving us all the right signs, but, um, you know, it, it's difficult. James knows him well because the week before last, he was practicing merrily away on him because we expected James more than likely to be riding him at Ascot but Nico got back in time for that and it seems sensible to put Nico back on him for that but James has had he knows him really well um, Jericho de Repiner he can't ride two horses at the same time he goes up to, to Doncaster with Mark Walsh on board uh, there have been a number of different options for him Potentially, um, you've you've gone for this one in the end. Is that gonna is that gonna fit in all all as you'd like with the timing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were looking for somewhere to go. Um, we weren't exactly going to we weren't going to run in this at Haydock last weekend, but it has been rerouted, gone to Doncaster, which I think is a, a more suitable track for him. He's a big horse. Haydock, as you know now, is a very sharp track. Dogs is a big gallopy one, so that'll suit him. Um, his school this morning, he was electric. Um, I was thinking about the Sydney Banks at Huntingdon, but what we'll do now is Django Bay, that won the Tollworth at Aintree. That it'll, Huntingdon will suit him very well. So he'll, he'll go to the Sydney Banks, and yeah, we'll go up there tomorrow. Mark Walsh, well, that was a... a, a, a you know, watching him, I watch him regularly. I think he's a seriously good jockey, and I think recently, I think he's riding really, really well. You're watching him every day, those Irish races, he's um, he's, he's in tip-top form. So he's going to come and ride Jericho, um, and then he's going to ride under control in the Mayor's Grade Two, and no ordinary Joe in the handicap. They're all JPs. You know, he's JPs retained Irish rider, if you like. Um, he's top class. So Mark Walsh up at up at Dog. So who are you most looking forward to running at Cheltenham outside John Bon? I think Sergino probably. Again, it's going to be a very big clash. Um, I think you'll know who's going to be. Well, who, whatever wins will probably be favourite for the Triumph Hurdle at the end of the day. I think he's a lovely horse and he's got he's got talent. He's only had two races in his life, but. He schooled this morning. James schooled him this morning, um, and he's ready for battle. It will be a battle because okay. I respect um, uh, Badet Road. Yeah, James, yes, uh, James Owen's horse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a proper race. Uh, is he, he? You feel that Sergino is kind of 
slicked up a bit since since Kempton with the with the hurdling. Oh yeah, to be honest with you, when we look back, we'd only schooled him once between arriving in France and Kempton. Now. It was A, because he was very, very good, and B, because all those French horses know to jump blindfolded. And we'd obviously just presumed rather than practised. And um, he's needed practice. He's had about, yeah, he's done plenty of jumping since Kempton. He didn't do much wrong. He was just very green when he got to the front. He was looking at everything. Yeah. It was, it was almost like he was jumping too well at some of them. Um, yes, but, exactly. Yeah. But, and then, then he wasn't concentrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, are you running um, Champ and Marie's Rock in the Cleave? No, just Champ just in the Champ. Cleave. Marie's Rock waits for the Mayor's Grade 2 hurdle at Doncaster on Sunday, along with the other two that all were in the same race last weekend um, at Ascot. But, uh, you know, full marks the BHA, they've done a lot of swapping because... We had to make sure we got the Clarence House back on. Then they were talking about the Grey Two novice at Haydock, and I did say then, "Well, you do that, and you might get Jericho." So I think they'll be pleased with us there. And as for the mayor's hurdle, it only had six in it at Ascot, so moving it was a big plus for us. There were six in it at Ascot; we had three of them. I think there are going to be seven in it on Sunday. And three of them are still ours. They, they so, were, you know, I said I'd keep them in, and, and actually, you know, we're happy to go there. I'd, I'd be flattering myself if I said you were listening to this all week, but there's been a bit of there was a bit of grumbling amongst uh, one or two of the tracks about the the move of the Clarence House to Cheltenham, but apparently Doncaster had put a bit more money on. Is Cheltenham, in your mind, the right place to run the Clarence House? Um, I think. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy wherever they went, to be honest with you. We just needed the race on. I do. I, I did hear that, that um, Doncaster had, had um, offered it. Um, I hardly think at this stage, I know the prize money has had a, you know, a, a, a considerable um, reduction. But on the other hand, if you lose your sponsor like they have, then I can understand it. It's frustrating to go from 175 to 105, but 105 is better than nothing. And I'm very happy where it is. Yeah, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, we love Donny. We'd have, we'd have gone with the race, whatever happened. Um, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like if I call you call you on Monday, you'll either be whistling with a spring in your step, or or, or putting the pillow over your head. Um, let's let's not go that far. Uh, but uh, but um, good luck over the weekend, Nicky. Appreciate your time this morning. Where are you, Nick? Where are you going? I'm in Florida. <laughs> I'll come and tell you about it on Monday. That was Nicky Henderson, who, if all goes well, will indeed be um, in, as Lee Mottishead might put it, a, a fan Davidozzi mood on Monday morning. I'm not. I'm not sure you can have one of those. It's the Crankies, of course, fan Davidozzi, wasn't it, Jimmy Cranky? Yes, the Crankies. Yes, great, great cultural icons of our time. Yeah, of our time. I mean, not not exactly yes, one. Not, not, not exactly yes. one for the teenagers. That is it. No, and I, I doubt in Florida, Nick, your 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 American audience will necessarily have much knowledge of the Crankies. Jimmy Cranky was massive in in West Palm Beach. Anyway, uh, on with <laughs> on with the show. Uh, as I'm likely to say several times tonight, um, yeah. on with the show. Uh, 
what were the main takeaways there from from what Nicky said? Uh I I think his his sympathy for 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 uh, Nico's position, um, Nicky is 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 very is very real. Um, I think his 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 his, his point about John Bon um, really needing to race and the differences between him and Constitution Hill is particularly interesting. And again, we 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 can build up this narrative. Uh, in our heads that Nicky doesn't want to run his his best horses. We actually he's been very keen to run to run John Bon. Um and the fact that he's saying he was pretty much on his A game for the Clarence House last week and he wasn't undermining that or demeaning that in any way as a as a race relative to the champion chase when it looked like he was set to take on um El Fabiolo in the race uh, at Ascot. Um I think therefore it will be really interesting to see how he goes at Cheltenham on Saturday, big day for James Bowen. He's had a lot of big days, hasn't he, in recent weeks, and he's passed the test um, every time. Interesting that Marie's Rock won't be going for uh, the Cleve Hurdle, but goes to Doncaster instead for a particularly interesting race on Sunday. Um, and I think as well, Nick Jericho de Repinay, um really interesting how he goes at Doncaster. And again, anyone I think from the Jockey Club who was listening to what Nicky said there about the horse going to Doncaster but wouldn't have gone to Haydock last Saturday will be reminded again that that Haydock's reputation as a jumps track through, through no fault of um, Kirkland Teller or his team at Haydock has suffered in recent seasons. And the fact that he goes to Doncaster but wouldn't go to, to Haydock uh, is interesting from, from my perspective. Yeah, and the, and the thing that unites both John Bon and Jericho de Repine is that they are clearly the horses to beat in both respective races. But if you're if you're the trainer or owner or rider, you're going to have a, a few jitters that this wasn't exactly Plan A. So you'll be you'll be going there, yes, in expectation, but with your fingers pretty firmly crossed. I, I asked Nicky Anderson that question about the Clarence House going to going to Cheltenham. You've been across this Lee as well. W- was it the right call? You can be as quick as you like on that. Yeah, I think it probably was, Nick. Cheltenham is, is the main meeting of the day on Saturday. I think it's not just about um, getting the best horses there. It's getting the best jockeys there. And I think logically, even though Donny was going to put up more money, I think it is in the right home on Saturday. OK, we ought to just touch on a couple of bits of news that dropped just after we finished recording yesterday. One of those concerns the Stayers hurdle. And of course, the Cleave hurdle this weekend is a major pointer towards the Stayers hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival, which will now be without a key player, that key player being Telem, a, a, a horse trained in France by Arnaud Chaillet Chaillet that we've been really chronicling on the podcast. I feel desperate for his connections. They were so keen to have a go, but he's out with injury. Yeah, they were so keen, Nick, as they've explained on, on, on the pod more than once um, in recent weeks. It would have been so fascinating to see him coming over from France because it's 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 because we, we, we've moved away from that area, era where Francois Dumaine uh, or Guillaume McCare regularly sent top horses to, to Cheltenham that perhaps the, the, the market, the betting market generally doesn't give them enough respect. But with this horse, they absolutely had done. Um, and was set to start as favourite for um, the stairs. A slight bet, slight setback um, rules the horse out of the race. Hopefully next year, and it does mean that the the, the stranglehold that Gordon Elliott and Rob Court appear to have in the stairs hurdle market has got even stronger now. Yes. It will it will be interesting to see if anything comes out of the 
the cleave hurdle, Nick, to to strengthen uh, claims for for this stage. But just looking at the the likely lineup, Paisley Park. Well, he's wonderful. We all know he's wonderful, but he's he's not going to change at the age of twelve. He's not suddenly going to become a five pounds better horse. Champ is also twelve years old now. Dash or Drasher is eleven. It's it's a bit of a you know the the race could be sponsored by Sanatogen. It's it's not one for the young brigade. This Noble Yates is on trial for the Grand National side. So I don't think we're really going to see much change to this day as the hurdle market after the race on Saturday. When I when I looked at that, I wondered if our friend Chris Ward, who we interviewed on the on the podcast yeah. earlier week, might might win the race for for Deborah Cole. Yeah, well, listen, the, the horse has, has won two good races um, this season. I thought his enthusiasm for the horse was uh, infectious uh, on the pod uh, the other day. I think if I had to have a bet in the race at this stage, I'd be saying Paisley Park. I, he's the one that most people will want to win. But as I say, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if we see the stairs hurdle winner on Saturday in that race. Mm, you talked about Gordon Elliott's stranglehold on the stairs hurdle. Uh, he could easily have a stranglehold on the Grand National, given how many horses he's likely to enter. That um, will always cause a bit of consternation, and more so now that the maximum field size is 34. Uh, and the BHA have rode back on an idea, and it was only an idea that they were just floating to limit the amount of runners any trainer could have in top handicaps to, to four. Um, what do you think of the way that that they've moved on this i actually don't have any issues um with it nick i think it's i think it was entirely right that the uh bha sought some industry opinion on this it has been a talking point it didn't the, the, the troy town handicap in which uh, gordon saddled 14 of the 20 runners um was what triggered uh, this particular move by the BHA, but it's not the first time that the subject has been raised of one trainer, and generally it's been it's been Gordon with Jiggenstown horses dominating big handicaps numerically. It's not the first time it's been raised. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with the governing body floating this idea, seeing what what industry feedback is in Britain. Generally speaking, the the top trainer seem to be against it richard newland has been very vocal in the racing post on the pod in support of of the idea uh, i spoke to uh tony mullins uh for a piece in the racing post on new year's day again who was very supportive of the idea um of uh the governing bodies in britain and ireland putting limits on how many runners a trainer could have in the race i think there is general acknowledgement that it is not a good thing if one trainer has 14 of 20 runners in a handicap or even six, seven, eight, nine, ten of 20 runners in a big handicap. It can't be a positive, but equally, you can't criticise uh, a trainer um, who is simply very good at their job and has lots of, of good horses. The the line that the BHA has come out with in, in its quotes uh, on Wednesday was that having considered the feedback and discussed the matter with the Sports Commercial Committee and the BHA board, it's been agreed not to take any immediate action in regards to this matter, but to keep the issue under review. And I think that keeping it under review will be uh, 
critical and crucial around Grand National. Yeah. That's yeah, the race yeah. that the BHA was looking at. The Jockey Club had considered this subject when it had its Grand National review that led to the field being reduced from 40 to 34. It decided it was one for the wider industry, not for the Jockey Club to take on board. But I think, in a sense, the BHA and the sport has placed a line in the sand and said, look, we, we do have concerns about this. And therefore, I think if we get to the Grand National and we do find that Gordon or anybody else has 10, 11, 12 of the of the 34 runners, that probably will provide further momentum and fuel on this subject. And therefore, I think it is right that the BHA is saying it's under review and the matter is not, not closed, but the, uh, the, the, the they're resting it. I think what happens yeah. in April could determine whether it's raised again. And I, I don't see any reason why, in theory, you couldn't have a rule that only pertains to the Grand National. I don't, uh, you know, it, it's a special race. It's a it's a different race. It's a one-off. It's the one with a massive viewing audience relative to everything else in the sport, um, you know, even if it's not quite as massive as some people would like. And, um, you know, I, I sort of think if you wanted to go down that road, I think it's perfectly feasible to have a rule for that race and not for the others. I don't have a particularly strong view that there should be a limit. I just don't think it's impossible if you wanted to do it. You don't say, well, well just because we do it for the Grand National, you have to do it for this, 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 and this. It really is only about that race as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, th I think that's right as well, Nick. Um, I think it's it's the race that trans everything else, transcends everything else in the sport. Uh, it, it's it's the sport's uh, calling card, and it, it it is vital that it is a race that maintains public interest as you say the grand national in many ways is treated as a one-off um i posted a, a post column uh, a little while ago and actually which i suggested that maybe it should be treated less as a as a one-off in the sense that i i don't see any need anymore to have a rule which means that horses that win after the weights are published don't receive penalties. I think have, if, you, if you maintained a system where horses receive penalties for winning after the weights came out, it would it would boost interest in the race because it would mean that there's still a sense of will a horse get into the Grand National longer after the weights have been have been published. But I think it in in a wider sense you can still treat the Grand National differently. And I, I agree with you. I think if if they were to introduce a rule purely for this race that would be uh, perfectly uh, easily defendable. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to leave Cheltenham alone Saturday until I've spoken to Harry Cobden, um, who's got some really interesting rides and some fascinating rides, not for Paul Nichols as well as plenty for his, his governor. Uh, Burdett Road obviously tops the pile. You've heard from Nicky Henderson about how much he, re how highly he regards Sir Gino and he's looking forward to the battle um they're such different types of horse harry have you thought about how you might beat him and um what kind of different attributes they bring to what's a very absorbing race yeah i mean um the henderson horse looked very impressive at kempton last time um i thought he could have possibly jumped a little bit snipper but at the same time he looked a nice individual and won by 13 or 14 length um i managed to sit on Burdett road on thursday morning he scored well um and he's a horse he's certainly not short of speed so um i think we'll probably just take our time and and and, and follow them around and have a go into the straight i reckon you've ridden maybe four really nice juveniles of paul nichols is this season uh is burdett road in a different league to any of those that you've ridden in terms of what he's capable of right this minute 
I think so. Um, the horses that Paul has has ran, they're they're more horses for the future. Whereas I think Burdett Road is a proper juvenile. He's very racy. Um, he jumps very quickly and, and, and he's jumps very flat and low. And um, Paul's horses will probably be more chasing types. Um, but he's just got so much speed. And, he looks to me like he stays very well as well. So he, you know, whether he's going to train on next season to be a champion hurdle horse, I don't know. But he's 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 a he's a proper hardy, proper hardy juvenile type. Or to just mention your outside ride in the in the Cleve hurdle as well. The the current leading jockey Sean Bowen is out injured. Uh, you're in second place, about 19 behind. You've just had the hundredth winner, and you're stepping in on his ride, Noble Yates, who um, bizarrely is one of the youngest in the field, age nine, already a Grand National winner, running in a hurdle race. But it's a uh, Paisley Park Dashel Drasher and Champ. They they know a bit between them. Yeah, um, obviously a great ride to pick up. Um, unfortunate for Sean that he can't ride him, but great for me to to, to step in and, and get this ride. Um, you know the the, the the three older horses. They've um, they've all got the form in the book, and they've got the t-shirt. They've ran in all those big staying hand, um, staying um, graded um, hurdles, haven't they? And um, Noble Yates has, has, has sort of step up on his hurdle form to uh, to get competitive with them. But um, you know he's he's a class horse in his own right, and I don't think they'd be running him. They didn't fancy him. Uh, some serious horses uh, outside that. Ginny's Destiny's uh, shown a real love for Cheltenham. Goes in the Novices Handicap, the time form Novices Handicap. Uh, Il Rodoto was lovely in the in the December race and just got beaten. You're, you're getting back on him in the in the uh, Paddy Power Podcast Handicap Chase uh, and a, a nice ride for Paul Nichols in the in the last as well on Isaac Desobo. But I suppose the intrigue comes from Stay Away Fay in the Cotswold Chase and. What happens if he wins? Well, I don't know. I suppose we're stepping into the unknown. He, officially, he's got a fair bit to find with um, Royal Pagai, hasn't he? Um, officially on the ratings, but um, he's a horse that we haven't got to the bottom of. Um, he's been utterly brilliant in his two novice chases so far this season, Exeter and um, and Sandown. Obviously, the Exeter race worked out well because the, the Skelton horse has gone on and... and, and Ran two great races since, and luckily won well at Warwick um, last week. So um, he's an interesting horse, and I don't think the trip will be an issue. I'm fairly certain the track will be fine. So it's just whether we step up and we're good enough. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's a horse that's certainly not short of ability, and one that I'm really looking forward to. Quite unusual for Paul to give a novice a Gold Cup entry. Um, let alone seriously countenance the, the, the prospects. I know I'm jumping one step ahead of myself. Uh, is that a measure of his temperament, do you think? I mean, the horse, not the trainer. Yeah, I mean, he's very, very straightforward. Um, like I said before, we, we don't know how good this horse is. We didn't really have a, a horse for um, the Cotswold Chase. And Paul was thinking the Reynolds Town at Ascot, but maybe was it too close to Cheltenham? So... He thought he'd stick him in this race to see what what was entered, and um, I think we're going to give it a go. Well, I mean, we're obviously stepping into the unknown, but we we don't know how good he is. And if he goes and wins, then um, we'll see. I, I, I'm sure he'll probably go for the novice race at the, the festival. Um, I can't see him running in the Gold Cup because that's what Brave Man's Game will go for. But uh, we'll see. Nothing set in stone yet. Indeed not, and that's why Saturday tells us so much. Outside Burdett Road, who has the best chance of winning, do you think? Um, 
like, like Stairway phase chance, I think Ginny's Destiny and El Redota have got massive chances. They're two improving horses as well. Um, Rabeau would have a nice little chance in the international. Um, my only worry is that he's going back left-handed. He hangs a little bit right. Um, Noble Yates looks to have a great chance in the horse in the last Isaac over. He's got a bit to find, but he's still a very nice horse and he's still improving. So, um, you know, seven really good rides. All right. Well, we briefly teed up yesterday. There's a serious race in, in Dubai uh, to, uh, tomorrow, uh, Friday. Uh, it's the, the Jebel Hassa, and it features horses that you wouldn't normally expect to see at this time of year running for a million in January. Laura King, our regular Dubai correspondent, heavily involved, of course, in the Dubai Racing Club and World Horse Racing, uh, joins me now. Laura, just just remind us who we've got. It's quite a mouth-watering prospect. I am so excited. I'm sitting here in the offices at Maidan looking over the beautiful track and it's a mini Dubai World Cup. It's called Fashion Friday and the race you're referring to, the Group 1 Jebel Hatter, one of three Group 1s on the card. And we've got Morge, lovely Morge. Everybody adores this filly, don't they? And she's trying to get another Group 1 after that heartbreaking defeat in the Breeders' Cup mile. And who is her likeliest key opponent? Well, I'm not going to say it's a Godolphin home fixture, but measured time for Charlie Appleby is probably her closest opponent here. He won the Group 2 Al Rashidia really nicely last time. This is a step up in trip. He's a nice unexposed type, um, but he looks pretty exciting. And then you've got one called Sandonato, who goes in those famous Sheikh Mohammed Abade colours. Doug Watson trains him. And, of course, we all remember those wonderful celebrations over in Bahrain when Sir Alex Ferguson and Richard Fahey won the Bahrain Trophy. They've got Spirit Dancer in here, a horse who's been nicely targeted at this race, and he's on an upward curve, so he's interesting as well. If you believe that Bahrain form, and there's no reason not to, it was a deep race, he's way overpriced with the British bookmakers. Way overpriced. Yeah. He's joined highest rated horse in the race. Yeah. Yeah, and Richard's here, seemingly pretty confident. He did say he wishes uh, the race was a little bit easier, though, and uh, he hoped that Morge wasn't quite in the same form as she left off. So he's running a little bit scared of the opposition. All right, what else can we look forward to on what is a really well-stacked card? Loads of goodies here. So you mentioned the million-dollar race. That is Maktoum Challenge, Longines sponsoring this one. That is the Group 1, and it's a prep for the Saudi Cup. It's a prep for the Dubai World Cup. And the good news is we've got an American, Clapton, Last seen in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and no less takes his chance for trainer Chad Summers, who people will remember from Mind Your Biscuits fame. And Chad has a two-from-two two record here at, at Maidan. So this one's second favourite, though, behind Kaburkan, who's carrying the hopes of a nation, was how Doug Watson described it to me earlier. He's a, a Russian sensation, but he's Kazakhstani-owned, and he blew away the opposition in a, in a handicap over the 10 furlongs here just two weeks ago. He's the favourite, and Doug is pretty confident. He's a gorgeous-looking son of California Chrome, and he is very, very interesting in this spot. Uh, can you tell me something about the UAE 2000 Guineas? We start the sort of UAE Classic season in earnest, and whether any of the likely protagonists are good enough to then take a hand in something more illustrious on the global stage. I'm thinking particularly of uh, Oasis Boy and Cartier, and I'd like you to tell me a little bit about their trainer, of whom I don't know much. Yeah, Julio Olahoa took over from Antonio Sintra. He's a talented up-and-coming trainer and a very popular guy here in the in the UAE. He's actually from, from Uruguay, and he's done really well this season. And, and these two horses are pretty exciting. Quartier was a 
a very late closing finisher last time behind Mayatel, who misses this race. Um, he's probably the preeminent three-year-old colt in the country at the moment. He skips this one. So Courtier was uh, out, of, out the back of the TV early, early on and then sort of carried on just grinding down the winner and, and just failed to get to him last time. So he's interesting. And the other one that Julio has here is Oasis Boy. And he's one there thinking about the Saudi derby for him, depending on how he gets on tomorrow. And he comes in a really good form. He's a, a group two winner in, in Argentina and he's a, a son of Asiatic Boy. So he's got quite a nice bit of a bit of history to his name um, locally here because Asiatic Boy also won the UAE 2000 Guineas. Yeah, and also raced in those yellow and blue colours. Uh, Laura, thanks so much. I cannot wait for Morge, Spirit Dance and Measured Time and Co. And there's um, names that people will be familiar with dotted through the card right the way through until uh, 10 past six UK time when Siskini uh, bids to justify odds on favouritism in the Al Kale Trophy. Not a horse I'd ever want to take short odds about. Uh, Laura, lovely to <laughs> chat. Uh, all the best for tomorrow. Many thanks. Bye. All right, if you were listening yesterday, I just teed up those... A couple of stories involving the two Kentucky Derby winners, Maximum Security and Medina Spirit. Two quite interesting stories developed over the last couple of days. First of them involving Maximum Security and the Saudi Cup and the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia have now recommended to an inquiry that the horse be disqualified and the now incarcerated Jason Service should be sanctioned, uh, even though Maximum Security didn't actually fail a dope test on the day. Uh, that means that the prize money if the inquiry went the JCSA's way, would be redistributed with Midnight Bizu being the chief beneficiary. And of course, I brought you the news that um, Bob Baffert and Amir Zidane dropped their appeal against the disqualification of Bedina Spirit in the 2021 Kentucky Derby, but also brought you the news that Churchill Downs were not moving on their current ban of Baffert trainees in the Kentucky Derby. And he has only two or three more days to move horses out of his yard if owners want to have them run for other people. So I wanted to get a little bit of insight from, uh, or quite a lot of insight normally, from Jay Privman, uh, my good friend and uh, sometime colleague and one of the most respected members of the media here in the United States. Uh, Jay, just a quick one on the maximum security situation. How interested are you in this case, um, particularly in terms of setting a a precedent for horses that um, have had connections found guilty of wrongdoing, but who haven't specifically tested positive on a race day? No, it's a, it's certainly uh, an interesting uh, development there in terms of, I think you framed it very well, Nick, in terms of how to handle something like that. Uh, you know, the one specific thing to that incident that I think raises the level of, well, even though he didn't test positive, there were wiretaps where Jason Service had discussed using uh, some sort of a, uh, what he believed to be a performance-enhancing supplement on the horse the week of that race. And I think they're basing the uh, recommendation to disqualify on that, in addition to all the other things, as we know, the even the owners of Maximum Security more than a year ago said that, in light of Jason Service's conviction, that they would they believe that that win should be vacated and the money re redistributed. So I, I think we've. I don't know why it took all this time to finally get to that point, but I, I do think it's the right thing to have happen. Mm. It'll be interesting, won't it, to see if any other jurisdictions around the world will apply those principles because by the principles of that presumably there are any number of service 
related winners who could be retrospectively DQ'd, and some of them for quite a lot of money as well. Certainly so. I think, I think though, you'd have to have something other than just the conviction. I, I think in the specific case of the Maximum Security Saudi Cup, the fact that there was a wiretap that specifically referenced conduct leading up to that race regarding that horse that kind of raises this to just sort of a different level. I, I, I think the point that you're you're making here is a very valid one, that there's not a test that came back bad on the horse for that race. And that's a, you know, usually that's obviously the, the thing that you would stand on. And this doesn't have that. I think the wiretap is really what kind of makes this sort of a, a more interesting legal twist than sort of the black and white it's 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 a, it's definitely a shade of gray well talking about shades of gray there have been more legal twists than anyone cares to remember in the case of um baffert et al and and churchill downs incorporated um bob baffert and nami zidane have have dropped the appeal against the disqualification of medina spirit uh, for failing a test after the kentucky derby of 2021 the race was subsequently awarded to mandaloon after a lot of wrangling uh, that hasn't uh, uh, helped Baffert's cause, however, in terms of getting his current um, sophomore intake into this year's Kentucky Derby. Uh, probably best just kind of clarify Churchill Downs' position on that. Well, they, they took the position uh, a couple years ago to say that Baffert was barred not only from Churchill Downs, but any track that they owned and that any horse of his that was going to be running in the Derby was going to have to get, would, could not run uh, for him. And in the two previous years to this, those horses got moved uh, to other trainers to, in order to earn points and they're basically their last start or two uh, to have enough points to qualify for the Derby. This year, that situation is in play, but the deadline got moved up to where Churchill Downs said that by the end of January, those horses need to be moved to other trainers, whereas before, they basically just needed to be moved in time to earn enough points to get into the Derby, and that could have happened as late as early April. So, in essence, they've they've moved the goalposts up uh, now by approximately two months for those horses to be moved, and, and we'll find out in a few days what happens. You know, Churchill Downs decided to extend their ban of Baffert through the 2024 uh, racing season, and we'll see if they finally let go after what has happened now uh, for maybe 2025. But in terms of this year, it doesn't look like there's any mm. re reproachment. And and also, Nick, just one thing, you know, Baffert has no... Pe the, the thing that got dropped the other day was an appeal of the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission's rulings and to disqualify Medina Spirit. There's been no legal uh, wrangling between Baffert and Churchill Downs uh, at all in in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Churchill Downs has used being a private company to uh, be able to keep anybody they want to off their grounds, and that's held up to legal scrutiny. The appeal that Baffert at all drop the other day was just strictly related to the disqualification of Medina Spirit via the stewards um, and of Kentucky and, and the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I appreciate you clearing that up, uh, Jay. Best best guess in your heart of hearts. Do you think Bob Baffert will ever have another runner in the Kentucky Derby? I don't know. I mean, I think he has. I think the punishment has exceeded the crime 
by far at this point. Uh, I thought adding on the extra year this year was unfair. He hasn't. He was given two years. In fact, on on a NBC telecast of the Derby, Bill Carstangen, who's the chief executive officer of Churchill Downs, said that when the two years are up, that you know if Baffert hadn't done anything untoward in the meantime, that he'd be welcome back. And then the uh, that didn't happen. The the banishment was extended by another year. Uh, I would hope this is the last one. Uh, I, I don't think Baffert has done anything that should uh, that is deserving of of what has happened here to this you know to extend it and I think enough is enough uh, but whether Bill Carstangen and or uh, all the corporate board people at Churchill Downs believe that way uh, we'll, we'll just have to see I just don't know all right thanks to Jay really interesting stuff there Uh, on those two Kentucky Derby winners. Lee Mossesed is still with me. He'll have a tip for you in a minute. Um, I I don't know all the winners of all the categories for the Eclipse Awards here in in Palm Beach this evening, Lee. But the the horse of the year, I don't know if you've been following this, has has been the subject of more debate than it probably has been since the year when Rachel Alexandra beat Zenyatta. I Um, I thought this was deemed to be a a long odds on shot. um, Well... I, I, I don't know how I'd price it up, um, okay. but the, the three the three candidates are a white Abario, idiomatic, and a Cody's wish, and uh, people are sort of slightly reductively saying it's a heart versus head thing, and because Cody's wish the the story and the story of of the late Cody Dorman and the extraordinary impact yeah. one horse had on one on one boy and the way that that touched uh, people far beyond the confines of horse racing. Whether whether that is the, a factor in the way that you vote for these things, or whether you are simply trying to clinically assess um, a pure merit and pure numbers in in performance, and I think that'll be the way that most people's souls have been searched when they're when they're when they're voting. I mean, I've seen a few people publish their ballot, and um, and yeah, people have gone different ways. So I don't know. Well, you, you- you, you, actually, you have a vote yourself, don't you? I do, part I of do the... have a vote, yeah. So how did you how did you approach that question I, then of whether I, the heart well, can be find, brought into it? I didn't find it that hard, actually. I, I think it would have been more difficult for me if um, if you'd had a year where you'd, you'd had a, a really dominant three-year-old. A or flight or, line or American Pharaoh. Or... Now, it, you could, you, it could be that in a year's time, we'll, we'll find out that actually White Abario is a is the is the real deal and Rick Dutra has turned him round into something that's that's quite special. Um but I, I'm not sure there was an established a, a body of work that had been established clearly enough for me to, to to think that he he was a clear winner of Horse of the Year. Idiomatic was brilliant. Um but I I I differed from a lot of people in in thinking that that she, I didn't think she was beating the best at their best. She was beating some very good fillies, but I'm not sure that she was meeting some of them uh, when they were on the upgrade. Um, and she, again, she could have another great year. That's why they're keeping her in training. I wouldn't be surprised if she was still in the running next year. Um, so I, I I felt that up to the mark was probably the most talented horse in, in the US this year. But again, he was thumped by August Rodin in the Breeders' Cup turf. So I was struggling with him. And um, yeah, so I, I didn't have an issue voting for, for Cody's wish. After all, he is a dual Breeders' Cup champion. Um, and he showed enormous heart and tenacity to beat the Preakness winner, National Treasure. And I thought in a year where the, the picture was opaque, 
it wasn't that hard to go with the story. And will there be uh, any stories, do you think, about European success in Spiral um, has to be a candidate for victory? Must be a possibility. Possibly. Uh, I mean, in Italians, a very popular filly here in the US, and given the way people vote, they don't generally tend to like to vote for one-hit wonders in America, but we'll... We'll see. I mean, there have been a few. There have been a few U- European winners. A Ouija board won a couple of times. Islington. Um, there was a whole clutch of turf horses in that sort of late 90s, early noughties, Fantastic Light and Delami and horses like that that won. Singspiel. Yeah. Singspiel, exactly. But it's generally speaking, if an American horse has got a good body of work, they will tend to shade it over a once victorious Breeders' Cup champion. But who knows? She was very, very okay. good. So. Uh, Morge again, Morge, she's who's running in Dubai. She's another one that's that's got a nomination. Yeah. Master of the Seas has got a nomination. So they're they're all they're all possibles. And Mr. The Tour is there as well. I think he's coming, yeah. I think he is coming. He's certainly be riding, he's got a ton of rides on Saturday night, uh, as we were saying, and Sheen Murphy likewise going to Dubai and then coming back to Gulfstream, as you were hearing from Ramiro earlier on in the show. Um uh, David Egan's been riding very well here. Sean Levy's out here at the moment. Um, yeah, virtually the, the entire UK-based weighing room seems to be riding somewhere in America. But they haven't got the Clarence House chase. They've not got the Clarence House chase, which is at Cheltenham and does feature John Bond, who's roughly a 3-1 to one on shot and will be ridden by James Bowen. Lee, do you have a tip for me either for today or for the weekend? Uh, yeah, I do, uh, Nick. Um, before I just go into just what maybe what, what more of a long range thought, big day at Goran today, Thiesty's day. Um, in the 325, the beginner's chase, Gordon Elliott and Rob Cor have a horse called San Felicien, uh, who started favorite for the Coral Cup two years ago, uh, was pulled up on that occasion, didn't, oh. didn't perform, has run two interesting races in beginner's chases, uh, so far in Ireland this season, including. In that race won by Fasel Vega um, earlier in the campaign. This will be his third run over fences. I did think he might be quite interesting for the Grand Annual or the Plate at the Cheltenham Festival. So I'll be watching his performance for one of those two races uh, at Garen's afternoon, 3.25. But the tip, Nick, is going to Huntingdon in the 2.35. Harry Cobden is creeping closer to Sean Bowen in the Jockeys' Championship. And I think he could creep a bit closer with Hasboy for Charlie Longston in the 2.35 at Huntingdon. Great stuff, Lee. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday the 25th of January, and I will be back, no doubt, rather bleary-eyed to do it all over again tomorrow morning. But I will have Lydia uh, to prop me up, uh, virtually, obviously. Uh, Speak then, um, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.